never stay under an insecure boss for long mm. that erodes your own self esteem and initiative there is no intellectual growth and when there is no intellectual growth there is a silent regression happening in your career which you don't notice because it is so slow but i am i can tell you that's a recipe for a disaster as far as your own career is concerned Welcome to yet another episode of the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast where you get to learn everything about leadership and success mastery. This is your host Payal Nanjiani and you know it's my commitment to connect you with some of the best ideas and individuals in the world that can help you to elevate yourself to work at higher frequency and to be a transformed leader. and i am so excited today to introduce our guest sanjay sinha who is currently the managing partner at gladwin international and company he is the ex chro of fortis healthcare limited sanjay has an extensive and proven global experience with mncs in singapore india asia pacific and greater china north america and the caribbean handling large workforces He's a recipient of various awards like the 100 most influential global HR professionals award and the most influential HR leaders in India award by the World HRD Congress. He is also a certified executive coach whose coaching is aimed at CXOs and high potential leaders. It's an honor to welcome you Sanjay on this show and I must say our listeners are in for a treat as we hear your insights. Welcome Sanjay. Thanks Atan Pail. I'm so excited to be on this forum talking to you about my experiences and sharing what I have learned during the course of my couple of last few many years. Happy oh, to be okay. here. Thank you Sanjay and I know you have you know decades of experience uh, in HR in business and that also like it's it's a global experience which very few people uh, you know attain at uh, at at the level at which you are so you know tell us about your journey in a snapshot Sanjay so it's been a an exciting journey all through covering various sectors various industries Mm-hmm. I started my career as an executive trainee with one of the power utilities company of India called NTPC National Thermal Power Corporation. I joined them as an executive trainee, rose through the ranks as a management trainee and then post NTPC I joined Siemens, worked with them for a couple of years, Lucent Technologies, Polaris. My biggest and the most exciting break in terms of learning came when i joined nortel networks mm-hmm. and they gave me a role covering 15 countries the way i love to describe is anything from pakistan to new zealand minus korea mm-hmm. and some small countries and uh, after first year i was uh, recognized as a high potential guy and i was moved to singapore where i worked for 3 plus years managing the entire asia pacific including greater china 2010 i came back to india and joined hinduja group initially i thought i would pick up a regular hr role but then as you would listen in this conversation ahead i take i took many chances i did experiment with different roles in various 
phases of my career. So I picked up a role with Hinduja Global Solutions in Bangalore for merger and acquisition, and then worked with a group for around nine and a half years before I came back to Delhi to join Fortis, which I which I which I moved out last November. And I'm currently a managing partner with Gladwin International. Wow! So the journey from 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 being a trainee to a managing partner has been really exciting, huh? It has been exciting. It has been rewarding, both in terms of learning. It has taught me what works, and also taught me what doesn't work. Because a lot of time people ask me, "What is? Give me an example of a bad experience." I said, "No experience is good or bad." Each uh-huh. experience tells you what to repeat and what not to repeat. So, uh-huh. yeah, I've been lucky to go through various experiences, various experiences at various points of time. So, I think Sanjay, what you just said makes so much is so valuable that you know um, all the experiences are rewarding uh, regarding failures. You have been learning from them and you've been moving ahead. So now you know that you are at a place where you are managing more than just HR roles. You're doing the you know you're managing businesses. You're you're looking into so many of the operations that are uh, necessary for a company to grow, and you're managing teams. Uh, you've always been managing teams. So what are some of the three biggest mistakes you feel that leaders are making today while managing their top talent because top talent retention is is something which is uh, uh, you know a big uh, question mark in these days so uh, what are some of the mistakes you feel that leaders are making while managing their top talent the way i would say based on my experience i would say there are some fatal mistakes that couple of leaders do when they are looking at their top talent mm-hmm. the biggest one of them is take them for granted they presume that they are in their company and with them for eternity and they will stay on with the company irrespective of whatever and the only time so you don't share appreciation don't share rewards you don't you, you may you may give them some increments here and there but in terms of basic appreciation and learning process i think you i have been in places in company where appreciation has come only when i have walked to the room with my resignation letter mm. and uh, at that time people say oh we had this plan for you we had this plan for you we were moving you here we've been giving you this role and that role i have been last 2 3 years nobody talked to me on this So how would I know what company has in store for me? So mm-hmm. the biggest first fatal mistake is take mm-hmm. them for granted. Now the other polarity of this is pamper too much. Okay. So you pamper too much, you create people who who have done well, but haven't kept on learning in their life. And then you what you do is when you pamper too much is you create a class of employees within a employee segment there is a subset of people who you treat differently and others people are treated differently and that creates a very bad vibe in the system and in between these two i think what most of us do dif- do wrong is that we can't meet their aspirational needs which is extremely important if a high performer or a top talent does not have an aspirational need or they have a need because that's why they are high performer because they are keen to learn they are keen to perform they are keen to deliver 
and keen to rise in the system. And the company itself or the processes itself are not tuned to meet these needs, then there's a chance of making losing this talent. I think <clears throat> these are the three top mistakes I would say that most of the leader or many leaders make when they are managing their top talent. Mm, you're right. And I liked how you said that, you know, there is one uh, side of it, you know, the coin is that you take them for granted. And the other side is that you pamper them too much. And you just have to maintain that, uh, that balance, which itself becomes very, you know, it, it's very difficult for leaders to even maintain uh, that balance. And just like you rightly said, you know, when you're out of the company, when you're putting your resignation on the table, that's the time when somebody actually you know things of asking you what happened you know what can we do to keep you happy and and, and what are some of your needs and uh, it actually sanjay it reminds me of uh, of how i usually tell uh, leaders to conduct a stay interview you know we always conduct exit interviews <laughs> when people are going yeah. but yeah, I mean, what about stay interviews? You know, what can we do to have you with us? What you know, what can we do to keep you where you are and um, help you to grow? Like you said, there are no aspiration. Uh, the uh, the aspirational needs are not getting met, and uh, uh, people want to want to grow. So I think uh, these are such great three points that you have you have mentioned. And uh, now that you met, you said that, yes, you know, we're taking them for granted or we're pampering too much or not meeting their aspirational and growth needs. Um, I've also noticed, and which I'm sure you have also faced it in your own career life, is that the top talents in the organizations are always being attracted by competitors, right? And especially in this in this pandemic where everybody wants that, okay, you know, if I have 10 employees, I better have the 10 best employees because we're not able to afford more than that because of recession and so many economic uh, issues right now. So, you know, keeping in mind these three points, how can we connect them and say that, how, how can companies retain these talents right now? So I'll begin with uh, your stay interviews. Mm -hmm. So one thing that you also said, uh, made a comment a few minutes back, the companies do exit interviews, they don't do stay interviews. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the biggest thing is to communicate with employees on regular intervals or whenever the employee demands that kind of a discussion. See, this is a social media days. There are hundreds of chat sites, hundreds of Facebook inputs that people get. So... I personally feel nowadays it is extremely important to communicate and it is better to over-communicate rather than under-communicate because mm -hmm. otherwise the grapevine takes over and the talent will not know what the real position are. This is one very important thing that companies <laughs> can do to retain employee. Most of the companies fail on this part in my experience. They mm -hmm. don't communicate. And even if they communicate, they communicate through emails. It's a mass email that goes to entire company. So how am I different is the question that I would ask. So it is manager's responsibility, leader's responsibility to keep communicating with their employees. Second is we must, to retain them, we must meet their aspirational needs. My experience says that high potential employees are hungry for learning and challenges, and they need this in quick succession. 
when I use the word quick succession, it is it could be two years or three years time frame or earlier than that or later than that. So mm. you need to quickly create opportunities for them to learn, to perform, and master the skill, and then move on. Uh, very good model that I have seen is a S-curve model that mm-hmm. comes in a book by Whitney Johnson where you on the x-axis you have time and y-axis you yeah. are learning and it is x-axis is split into three phases which is initial and engagement and the mastery. So S-curve says you start learning a process you are very excited because it's a new job it's a new skill that you're learning and then you start engagement when the S-curve goes straight up which is a sweet point. This is mm-hmm. a sweet point where the engagement of a high potential guy is the highest. And they finally master it. And then they hit the learning plateau again. So companies at this period could be anything be between three to five years. It could be a little less. But I would guess the kind of work you want to give them, the kind of projects you want to give them, the kind of deliverables you want to uh, ask them, ask these guys to deliver they would typically range anything around three years on an average, I would say. And mm-hmm. then it is a time for you to create another S-curve so that they go through the cycle of experiencing, engaging, mastering, and then moving on. Mm-hmm. So this is extremely important if you want to retain the top talent. People very rarely would go for a massive salary jump because I personally believe I have been recruiting for last 25, 30 years that if I want somebody, I can get him. But it is very difficult to get person, high potential guys who is highly satisfied, happy with his career, even on the interview table. So mm-hmm. this is one way to do. And obviously, when you want to retain your talent, you need to invest in their development. And development does not come only by the virtue of training programs. It comes through enriching rules, expanding rules. When I say expanding rules, it could be in terms of revenue. It could be in terms of product portfolio. It could be in terms of job rotation. It could be even addition of new geographies to your role. Okay. So a lot of time people make a mistake of saying, okay, development means training. So let them them send to Ahmedabad or let them send to ISB. Or if they are very senior guys, we will send them to Harvard for this program. It is not that. In fact, it's very funny. Nidhan Dapal, you must listen to this experience. One of the very top-level meetings we were discussing. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys says, Ki, you know, you send these guys to Harvard and these places. You know, you spend ten, twenty, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. And they come back. And what happens if they leave? So I said, the other choice is you don't spend your training. You keep the people mediocre. In turn, the organization grows to be mediocre, mm. and these guys had not to go. Yes, very true. So, That's very true. So, what are you doing? You are just pulling the organization toward mediocrity. You are mm. not building an organization that that's top of the line organization. So, I think oh. if people focus this and they start looking at things very differently, the way I have looked in my career, I think you can retain your top talent. Yes, yes. And I and I cannot agree more with you, Sanjay, with the incidents that you mentioned that there are so many leaders who feel, hey, you know, what's the point of sending them and spend, you know, investing uh, 
we call it as investment, but I know many leaders who say, oh, we are spending on our employees and what if they leave? And I really liked what you said. What if they stay and if they keep staying and they are, they are mediocre employees, uh, you know, we are not uh, letting them grow, we are not uh, letting them learn, then the entire company is, you know, the entire slope is going towards uh, mediocrity. And and then on one end, the company is like, hey, we need to grow exponentially. You can't, you, you really can't grow exponentially if you're keeping majority of your people operating at, you know, at a mediocre level. So that is wonderful, Sanjay, the, the uh, example that you shared. And you also mentioned about communication, that it's better to over-communicate, not under-communicate. I get a lot of, um, you know, uh, emails from uh, from people who tell me, and from especially from le- uh, people who are in the leadership positions, they tell me that they are not having the time to communicate. You know, and especially now, like you said, it's online; everything is virtual. They are feeling that, hey, you know what? If I have a team of 20, 30, or maybe global teams of more than hundred people. You know, they are not getting, they, they, they feel there's a lack of time. How do I communicate Payal one-on-one or, you know, get to know that per- person? And I know that you are handling global uh, work. So what is your suggestion on this? You know, how would they get the time when it comes to this type of a problem? I don't have the time to connect with, to communicate with them. <laughs> yeah, I, I do hear a lot of people coming in with this kind of things that, oh, there are so many people, they are in different time zones, how do I communicate? So my answer to them, both as an HR leader and a business leader, has always been, as a manager, it is your sacred and religious responsibility to talk to your people. This log for you 365 days a year, and mm-hmm. you can't pull out four hours out of that time to talk to them. How is it possible? It is just not possible. If you have an intention, you would do it. And I have managed 15 countries. I have talked to most of the people at most pretty frequently, I would say. Given that that time my travel was very high, I was traveling like two, three countries in a month. Mm-hmm. So there was a chance of having a face-to-face meeting. But sometimes I would just set up a call for, say, 20 minutes and say, Let's have a coffee. We will not talk business. We will just talk what the life is all about and what's bothering you and what is not bothering you and what you are happy about. Mm-hmm. People think if there is no agenda, there is no need to talk. But this does not happen in an organization where because we are dealing with people. We are dealing with emotions. We are dealing with people who have only one role that you are exposed to. There are other roles as a father, brother, son, whatever. They are exposed to 15 more roles. Mm-hmm. So you can't say, no, 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 this guy is doing well, he's doing this, that, and there is no need to speak to him. That's not true. I would guess that as a manager, the word itself says, you need to, it is my responsibility to talk to these guys, to deal with their issues as and when either they demand or a pre-decided interval. I used to have a boss in Nautil who was placed in North America. Mm-hmm. And every week, 10 days, we had set up a call, 7 o'clock, 7.30 in the morning, India time. He would give me a call, ask what's happening in your region, how are you feeling, are you settling down fine? Just 10 to 15 minutes call and it would make my day. Mm. So people okay. must recognize that not talking is not an option. 
Wow. I think this is a very, very beautiful mantra that you have given to our listeners that communicating with your people is a sacred and a religious duty. And I think that's an underlying statement is what I have learned today. And I think that's so wonderful uh, to know that there is no option out of it. It's not an optional thing. It's something you've got to do. Now, um, uh, Sanjay, just moving ahead, um, in my own experience, I have noticed that most people who get stuck and they are not growing in the company, they are stuck at the mid-management level in the organization. And uh, what what would be your three tips that you would give them so that they can develop themselves and uh, the companies can have more top talent you know like now we are having like a 20 percent and 80 percent where 20 percent is considered as a top talent how can we change that ratio what can people do so that they can move ahead and grow and become like a top talent in the in the organization what tips would you give them i think that's a very good question and it's it's it is it is one of the pains like we saw we also say mid-level crisis mm-hmm. right so you have asked for three tips. I'll give you four. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. So, and these are based on my personal experiences and some of the successful people with whom I have interacted on frequent basis or I have tracked them over a period of my time. So one is that you, you or I as a person or a professional must decide where I want to be and how much smarter and hard work I want to do. If you are not prepared to do smart or hard work, then be happy with where you are. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to put hard work and smart work both, I would say then you should prepare yourself adequately with information in terms of what's happening in the environment around, whether it's a business environment, economic environment, legal environment, or statutory environment. Mm-hmm. Do your research and keep up to date. This is one thing you must do. Secondly, when you go to a meeting, be prepared with what you need to do. Don't be relegated to the role of a note taker in a meeting. A lot of my Mm -hmm. colleagues in HR, they walk into a meeting and they just take notes and come out. My suggestion to my team has always been, you go fully prepared, participate actively, share your learnings, do a validation, And that's how you get noticed. And that's how people say, okay, this guy seems to be serious in his career. This is another thing. Third thing that I have done frequently, and uh, as I told you while introducing myself, I said I I have taken up a lot of new challenges in my career. So in in the meetings and top meetings or wherever the chance is, raise up your hand for new and challenging tasks. People think, oh, this I have not done. Will I be successful, not successful? I have not been exposed to this. But you raise your hand and take a challenging task and put your best. Initiatives like these never go waste. I have done this in my career a number of times. When I moved from Singapore to Bangalore with uh, Hinduja, Hinduja Group, Hinduja Global mm-hmm. Coalition, the role offered to me was merger and acquisition and global expansion. I had never done this as a standalone role in my life. So I debated, but I said, okay, let me take. And honestly, those five years, each day was worth it, I would say. I have done merger and acquisitions and have acquired companies. And I've picked up so much about the business nuances. 
in these five years that I wouldn't have picked it up. There was a need for a corporate communication leader, and I raised my hand. Okay, I will lead corporate communications for this company, and I did that. There was a need to look at businesses in a very different way. Uh, we were looking at some businesses which were non-linear in in terms of revenue. So I mm-hmm. said, okay, I will incubate this business and run it. I managed the took on the responsibility of managing a PNL. Mm. So, if I can do it, I guess everybody can do it, and that's how you get noticed. You learn and you enrich your own career. Wow! And my sincere advice would be to my HR colleagues and to everyone that you must learn in terms of how the basics of finance works and take on new roles. Just raise your hand and say, "Okay, I will do it for the company." and believe me it'll change the way you behave either as a functional expert or even as a business expert on the other side i would say business experts must business uh, leaders must raise their hand to lead a functional role whether it is in hr or finance or it or wherever it is because that would the life will never be same will be same again if you do these kind of role swapping in your career and i promise you four yes yeah. finally and most importantly i would say and i would this has worked for me and you people can take it if it works for them never stay under an insecure boss for long mm. that erodes your own self esteem and initiative there is no intellectual growth and when there is no intellectual growth there is a silent regression happening in your career which you don't notice because it is so slow but i am i can tell you that's a recipe for a disaster as far as your own career is concerned wow never stay under unsecured boss yeah i've never uh, never thought of that so deeply you know because like you said it's a silent regression and i think uh, most of us don't even realize it's it's happening with us and and to us and just with all the pointers that you had uh, sanjay it it's really very visible that you have been pushing yourself out of your comfort zone like you said new challenges uh, people are so afraid and uh, they don't want to leave their comfort comfort zone you know they feel hey you know my paychecks are coming i'm going fine paycheck to paycheck uh, why take a risk or why you know why uh, get into something like you said i don't know how to do it so why get into it but at the same time then they're also questioning themselves and and to others how should i grow in the organization so i think uh, these are really uh, really very valuable like you said you have to know about the finances you know when it comes to the hr people who are out of the hr into businesses it's nice to know the functionality and the operations of uh, of the human uh, side of it also and um, i would definitely want to hear more about never stay under an unsecured boss um i i'm, I'm just going to go a little out of the way and ask you are there any ways or signs to come to know that you are working for an unsecured boss even if there is one or two that you can share it will be a treat to our listeners so one biggest sign is you are never taken to a meetings uh, that matter mm okay not even in the second row in the board room mm you collect the data you prepare the presentations 
but you are kept out of sight always ah. this is the biggest sign okay secondly wow. you are told again and again don't question me in public so mm. or don't question me in terms of what do i say you just go and execute it sometimes you can you can always develop a relationship with the boss where you can ask yes i think it should be done this way but you have a different point maybe i can learn from this would you like to tell me in terms of what information data experience or past experience you have for you to take this decision which apparently seems to be counterintuitive mm wow and that is uh, you know that is something i think our listeners are going to benefit from sanjay because um having a you know boss problems are something which is which is common worldwide and you know people are always having some complaints but the way you have uh, you know pointed these out that look for these signs and these symptoms and then decide whether you are working for an under secured uh, boss or is your boss open to communicating and and pushing and pulling you ahead with them so that's that's great so um you know i'm going to ask you a little tough question right now a question that um, so many leaders have a tough time uh, dealing with the, uh, this uh, this problem so we are in an era where we are seeing more millennials join in you know join into the organizations now when it comes to this group of of uh, people what is your suggestion on retaining managing and developing this group so i think it is true for most of the companies that currently we have at least three generations working under one roof mm-hmm. it is from baby boomers to gen x to the current generation that we call millennials there are three generations and the requirement of three generations in the past were very very different we all have grown with a very different mindset mm-hmm. and as the hr head my biggest challenge pile is that how to manage this diverse population purely from the point of view of age and the people walking in the restaurant you have a person who is 65 70 and you have a person who is 23 24 mm-hmm. they have a huge gap between them so how mm-hmm. do i as the hr leader how do i make sure that it is always a constructive in- engagement and not a destructive engagement i think we cannot wish away this thing because the workforce will keep entering so the first step is to recognize that every generation whether it was in 40s 50s 60s 70s and now the coming generation is a little bit more smarter than the previous generation else humanity would not have reached this far we are we are talking of artificial intelligence and machine learning and so on and so forth so we must as hr heads or even as senior leadership team or ceos of the company we must train our senior leadership guys in terms of how do we handle this generation mm-hmm. and the three point you like right said how do i retain manage and develop these people i would say add one more in terms of how do i even hire these people what is their needs that i can offer from a company point of view because hiring them they all most of them come from a fairly secure background so mm-hmm. in 60s 70s 80s there was a need for a earning hand in the house mm-hmm. lot of houses in india still have that need i will not discount that factor 
more or less what i see people do come with a fairly secure background and leave aside this covid impact i think there is a big need for the companies to build a employee value proposition for this generation mm. it cannot be only money it cannot be only a paycheck that you take at the end of the day what is the evp employee value proposition that i need to bring and in terms of managing those i think there is this population has a very different level of aspiration they are they aspire more for higher things and much faster their loyalty standards are different from two generations behind there is a hunger to learn and also possibly i would say there is a shorter attention span and the need to move fast the earlier we understand this the better employee value proposition we can build for them and will be better for all of us and yeah. i think this is one of the biggest challenges of 20s for any hr head or for in yes. general the leadership team especially in the new age industries where the average age group is roughly around 27 28 29 how do we manage this and then in terms of development i would say we need to talk about speed agility shorter time span of attention is there how do we innovate our program so that we can deliver learning at their time their place their mode of delivery in a bite size modules and not a long term processes mm they they are a group that likes bite size uh, learning that's that's something even i have uh, caged and i liked what you said know their needs because they are different you know they are a different group we all ha- we all are different groups uh, as you said you know we you have people from 20s right up to 65 70 so we are all a different uh, group of uh, with mindset and everything but just knowing their needs and filling that gap and managing that difference i think the way you put that was so needed uh, uh, you know it, it's 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 a great solution to so many people who are really wondering what do i do with the millennials how do i deal with them managing that difference is is really what i uh, i think can be the golden uh, statement so um, uh, sanjay just moving ahead uh, like i said you know you we, we all know now that the amount of experience you've had in in the corporate world in the business world uh, you've had so many leadership lessons that you have learned in your journey if you were to uh, you know give some advice to the people who are listening to us what would be some of the advice some leadership lessons that you would want to give them so that they are successful and they keep growing in their in their career just like you have so i'll make it short and sweet so one thing that has worked for me is lead by example mm-hmm. and also telling the team and showing the team that nobody is infallible you don't hide behind your big titles and say okay everything that i need to do must end in a success be mm-hmm. sure what you're capable of and what you are not you find somebody in your team who can take that task and do it second thing that i worked for me is don't micromanage because when you micromanage people one you you are not doing you're not being fair to their career and their learning process and secondly in the process of micromanaging 
you are taking your eyes off the high pay of activities for which possibly you are paid and you get into ditty gritty operational details for which there are maybe x number of people already available in the team mm-hmm. third thing that has worked for me is when you give a task to a team show them the big picture share with the team that okay i need this data and this is how i am going to use it and my my experience file is that when you tell the guys that okay i need this data and this is where i am going to use it they will possibly come up with one or two more data points that can make your presentation and discussions in the boardrooms much more much much better mm. yeah. and give yourself time to think in our day to day 9 to 5 or 9 to 7 or 7 to 7 whatever it is these kind of jobs you don't take out time to think and when you don't take out time to think your learning stops yeah so take out time think in terms of what you have been doing what you want to do more how can you change the process how can you make it leaner sharper more agile but most of the time since we are managing 100 fires dowsing 100 fires a day we don't get this time but if you set this time separate in your calendar maybe once or twice a week itself then you would see the kind of validation that you bring absolutely sanjay this last point that you mentioned take time out to think uh, it actually took me back a couple of years ago i was uh, uh, you know playing golf with one of the ceos of a company uh, in uh, in north carolina and uh, you know when i asked him i said so you know what would you say is your biggest your biggest reason for being so successful at a very young age he is a very young ceo and he said my biggest reason pyal is that i take time out to think literally sanjay every day every day for 45 minutes in the morning it is dedicated only for him to think and there is no set pattern it's just that he thinks you know of ideas of innovations of what worked what did not work where he should go what learning he should have so you are just so you know point on sanjay when you said take time out to think because that's really really missing in uh, in today's uh, in today's world so uh, you know these are such great uh, nuggets uh, sanjay and i'll tell you i could go on and on with my questions because i'm so sure our listeners want more from you and um, it's a delight to have someone like you share their knowledge because i always believe that it's people like you uh, you know who've reached where they they are and uh, you know people want to see the view from your shoulders and that's what you've you've really done today and i do realize that you know your time is very precious you're working with uh, with multinationals and you're really busy but i want to you know ask you one signature question uh, which i always ask my guest is that uh, what is your definition of leadership if there was no google if there was no dictionary what would your definition of leadership look like Hmm. <laughs> to me leadership is making an ordinary person do extraordinary things in life wow that's such it a it is stick. like it is like kapil dev's 1983 world cup win that changed the whole scenario of the way indian cricket was looking up to these world cups 
Mm. I think this is the my effort would be my leadership style just to repeat myself is making an ordinary people do extraordinary things and if i were to add one more it could be lead the team with lot of energy my mm. motto has always been to my team let's beat our best wow i think um, that statement that you made now it should be on your uh, on your email you know so that every time we get an email uh, from you it should have that statement it's such a profound statement uh, sanjay that making ordinary people do extraordinary things which means you are really investing in your people you're all the time thinking of them that is super super uh, mantra that we are all uh, leaving with today so uh, thank you so much sanjay for taking the time to be here and sharing your thoughts your wisdom and your experience with all of us to learn and i'm sure we are all going to use that for for growing so thank you so much for being here thanks atan pail i enjoyed every moment of this podcast and i i hope and i sincerely hope that people who listen to this will at least get some benefit out of this podcast in their career or the as a leader or as a follower both sure sure sanjay i'm sure it will and uh, those who want to connect with you i will be uh, posting your connection uh, uh, channel on my description on the description uh, of the podcast so they can connect with you on the various social media channels and uh, until the next episode this is for all our listeners keep in touch with me on my insta page and linkedin and wishing all of you a very very successful life ahead this is payal nanjani signing off until the next episode thank you